Welcome back to Let's Talk About Skills, Baby, the podcast where we discover what skills can help you live your best life. Now, let's talk about skills, baby. Hey everyone, with me today is Linz Florin. Linz is the general manager at Growth Network Podcasts, the same podcast media company that produces Let's Talk About Skills, Baby. I'm excited to have Linz join us on the show to discuss his career transition experience during the pandemic. Thank you, Linz, for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to finally do this. I feel like we get the opportunity to chat a lot, but we don't always record those. Absolutely, yeah to do it with microphones at the ready. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's start off. Let's rewind the clock. We're back in March, 2020. Where were you working? What were you doing? So I was the fall before that I had just transitioned into a new role at the Los Angeles County Bar Association. And basically I had moved from working in their events and multimedia recording into the marketing department or to become the marketing department. And so that happened in September, October before the pandemic. So when things hit, I was, you know, sort of grateful to not be in the office for a little minute, but it became very clear that the organization I was with had sort of been putting more and more on different people. And when someone left, they didn't replace the role. They would often just keep that on somebody else. And that sort of had cascaded. And so I think I was facing the awareness. I'd been in the role for maybe six months, five months at that time. I was just sort of becoming aware of how much perhaps was mounting on my shoulders and what kind of hill I had to climb. This is a piece of my personality is I definitely was looking for silver linings and for an organization that had been increasingly irrelevant to its population, this change in circumstances shut down the court system and it stopped a lot of activities that had been assumed or taken for granted. And now the LA County Bar Association was positioned to disseminate information and be very valuable to people ostensibly for the first time in a long time. So I loved that. I loved having that to play with but I wasn't getting the resources I needed and everything was slowing down. You know, the organization needed to change or didn't want to change. There was a lot going on. It was an interesting time. Definitely. So how did you end up even getting into that industry and role? Because I mean, you and I, I have the pleasure of knowing Lindsay's history. So <laughs> I'm even curious to know how you ended up working with them. So I, my earliest I think passion is playing uh, with sound and sound equipment and eventually learning how to do video things as well. But there was a chunk of my career where I was doing audiovisual for events and meetings, you know, as little as a tiny projector on a cart with a little screen for a classroom or as big as, you know, thousands of people, multiple screens and cameras and video and all this kind of crazy stuff. I was a projector service person on Alcatraz for a little wow. while. So once a month I had to go out and fix their projectors, make sure that they were working for the tourist videos that were playing. So, you know, it's an interesting intersection of being technically skilled, but then also you're working with end clients and end users and having the ability to be friendly and to chat with them 
was good. So I always made the best of any gig and I made contacts and tried to make friends and followed people on Twitter and liked their Facebook posts. You know, I just am a connector by nature. And over time, when I was working in downtown LA, I did a lot of gigs with the LA County Bar and the people there recognized my attention to detail and would start to request me when they were coming back. And so when they had some changeover in their AV staff, they reached out to me. I started out at the bottom and I just inserted myself into things and paid attention and was became very resourceful in an organization that often behaved like the DMV. Everyone was in their own little lanes being really slow. I understood where that came from because lawyers, servicing lawyers is uh, a lot, but I just had a different kind of energy. I come from uh, for-profit environments and I, I move pretty fast. So I just kind of, again, with the same kind of rigor, like met people, worked with them. And so it was not that strange when the AV guy became the marketing guy because of who I was and who I knew, you know, on paper, it was kind of weird, but it made sense. Well, it makes sense to me. Obviously I get to sit here and talk with people about skills all the time. And everything that you just said was making me think of all the transferable skills. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> but, you know, when you talk about just that networking side of things and, you know, when you talk a lot about all of the different pieces that you've picked up along the way, those transitions don't seem so strange anymore. Right. Well, I also know you were working with their podcast. So, you know, was that something that started this spark on podcasting or was that before? I think I had the spark before, you know, I mean, I, my brother and I used to make little radio shows on cassettes when we were kids. I think I've been playing with the equipment a long time. And so the form comes pretty naturally to me, but I was looking for ways, you know, I saw a lot of podcasters who they had to fight their own battles to find an audience and to find that audience takes a lot of time and you're just putting in a lot of hours before you've connected with anyone. So the opportunity to do something for the LA County bar where the audience already exists, and I just get to practice my skills. And so I looked, you know, we had a changeover in, uh, we had a new executive director and I became, you know, I made myself as helpful as I could be. And when the time came that we were coming up, how do we engage people in new ways? I said, could we do a podcast? And he was just ready to let, you know, let me know when it's ready so I can listen to it before you send it out, you know? And, and it just got the freedom. I ran with it. Uh, my coworker, Melissa was, skeptical, I would say at first. And then I made the first one. And then she's like, Oh, I see this. Well, let's do these episodes. Let's call these people. And so we used our network and we went to law firms and law schools and we ended up making a podcast called admitted for law students. And so it's to help law students figure out because law school and being a lawyer, we have learned that road is not pre-built. You go through law school and you understand the law, but the application of it may not have been discussed in nearly as much detail. And the real world things on the work side of it are very different from what is taught. And that is why the first several years, often, you know, new associates are put through like a boot camp and these really hard things because they needed the foundational things of law school, but there's an additional layer of applying it that they have not yet touched. So we were putting together a podcast that helped people. It's a lot like skills. Yeah. All these things relate that we're helping people understand that the skills they were learning in law school were transferable 
and here's how you could leverage them to get more experience, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we interviewed some judges. It was a pretty cool thing. That's amazing. I love that this is about learning. So my other question is, what really led you to making a change out of that role? Was it, you know, and especially choosing entrepreneurship, right? That's like very different than choosing another job per se or full-time role. But was there something that happened during the pandemic? Was it things that were you were thinking of for a long time? I think it was. I've always had a little entrepreneurial spirit in college. I started a record label with some friends. That was lots of lessons in that one. It was short-lived, but really a great way to learn how to plan before you do things, for example. And I think I've been trying and looking for the right place to be entrepreneurial ever since. And I've been a lot more cautious. And so leading up to this time, as I'd started the podcast at LACBA, I then was starting to go to events in LA. There's the Outlier Podcast Festival I attended. Podcast Movement was there. I would try to go to, if there was a Saturday workshop held by the um, International Documentary Association, for example, or um, one time Wondery held some uh, a Saturday thing. I just went to those and I started taking really, really good notes because I have the technical thing, but I don't know the industry. And to me, that's the place where I could level up. And I ended up meeting some people that are now really, really close collaborators. And we talk all the time. And so I immersed myself in it. At the time, I was kind of thinking, oh, I have this, I could start a whole network for the Bar Association. You know, there are 27 different practice area sections, family law, entertainment law, environmental law. Each one of those could have their own direct connection with their people. And it could be this giant network of really close directed things. It could be the thing that brings this challenged old organization back from the brink. And so I was actually going with the mind of trying to help build them, but I, you know, I have my eye on two things at once. And so my networking and reaching out and meeting people, you know, the pandemic hits, we're all looking for ways to make new content that's relevant and all these things. And then of course, in doing all these things, I reconnected uh, with an old friend who I went to high school with, who you know, who we obviously both know, which is Gayatri Agnew. And she was talking about putting a podcast together and you had started your podcast and I hadn't met you yet, but we were all thinking about how to make this work for us and how to connect people and allow for better projects to be built. And I think we just sort of yes anded each other and it led to starting Growth Network podcasts just a little over a year ago. I'm going to stop for a second and just say like, yay, because it's that's a one year anniversary, everybody listening. And that's yeah. a big milestone for yeah. a business. You know, it's a, it's a big deal. So to go from that to this in that short period of time, but tell us for a second, because for a while, you know, this was sort of your side hustle. Yeah. So when we started, I mean, we started talking, I think it was last August, but uh, you know, it really got going in September and I definitely have always had a, I have two jobs plus my life. 
and my first job is whatever is making me money. And then as soon as it's over, or maybe sometimes while it's happening, I'm thinking about how do I spend my time on my second job, which for years has been music. Music is a passion of mine. Uh, I'm a singer songwriter and I've been recording a long time. It's one of those things that's a, that's a, a crazy industry. And and all of that. And so it always was my job and then music on the side. And while I still have that gear and I still have that lane and I'm still working on music, I've actually found a way to fold that into the podcasting because all of our clients get original music for their podcast. And it gives me a chance to get a little creative, put some things together. And, you know, we're not playing with the same stock sounds that everybody else has. But back to your question, which was for a while, I definitely had to say clocking out of one job, putting on the hat for the other, you know, it's not pulling in money yet. It's not doing, you know, we're just spending money, time and effort, <laughs> and then trying to figure out what it looks like. And so that was September through January, February. And, and then I gave notice at my job. And it's just been sort of this full time. I'm actually trying to get to the point where the podcast is primary. And then I open up, I'm back on that music lane. And so I'm getting my, all of my self fulfilled here, but getting it off the ground is certainly taking a lot more uh, time and attention than, than most regular full-time jobs. Sure. You know, I'm thinking about people that are listening in to this episode and maybe wondering, you know, what would it take for me to go that route if I so had something that I was passionate about? And of course, we're talking about skills, right? Mm -hmm. So it sounds like there's so many skills that you've picked up in all the various things along the way. I think number one is like, it's a resourcefulness. Like I have attempted to, I've shown up to mine every day for a lesson or a skill. Am I strengthening something? Am I receiving something? Is there some wisdom to be had? And so there's a lot of reflection in all of these steps. And I'm not entirely sure what made me sit at the back of a room when a giant you know, financial services conference is being presented. I'm running sound and another guy's running a projector, you know, computer, someone else is running video. There are three of us and they're playing video games on their phone and I'm taking notes. You know, at first I'd be like, guys, why aren't you taking notes? And I'm, I'm not here to change them. I'm just here to be me, you know? And so what I realized was I got made fun of for that. You know, my coworkers would be like, oh, look at Lens. He thinks he's attending the conference or, you know, whatever it was. And I, fine, you know, that's, I knew that there were lessons to be learned and that there was something in it. And so I went in looking for it. And it's interesting that that was your first one, not to stop your train of thought, but this whole time I have been thinking, I'm like, I don't think I've ever talked with anyone on the podcast that has been so determined to learn at every step of the way. It's something that I always hear from you in every situation. Yeah. No, and I, if I could, if there was a magical elixir I could sell that made other people just sort of naturally, I don't know what, I love it. Right. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm like very happy about. eagerness to learn. Yeah, eagerness to learn. And I think what I've had to learn in complement to that is that the opportunity of each learning thing if it doesn't come through, it's okay too. 
that you get you get the wisdom on balance. It's on on the average you pick up stuff, but I think you have to be looking all the time. I think there have been there were times in my life where I was like, well, there's no lesson here. And it's like, oh, I guess it's patience. Oh, <laughs> you know, that's right. So yeah, resourcefulness. I think the focus is the next one because you really need to know your why. No, because you if you you know, if you wake up feeling bad, you can't be swayed off too far. And so knowing what you're doing it for, being able to articulate what it is that, you know, and you may not be clear on the what it is even yet, just knowing your why, knowing that you have a why, knowing that you feel compelled and driven forward to, to do something. But the thing that I find that makes it the most doable is turning anything you can into a routine. So I'll give you an example of one that I started. Oh gosh, 2010, I was committed to becoming a better, better songwriter. And I decided you need to write more lyrics to get better. And that's true. And so I started a notes app in my phone and have 11 years of notes. And anytime I think of anything that is a song lyric, a song title, I also, I like making up band names. So I have a, like an 11 year long list of band names. I just turn that into a, okay, get it out of my head as quickly as possible. Get it out of my head as quickly as possible. There will come a time when I need to access that information and I know where it is, but I don't need to hold it all the time. And so if you want to be thinking about building a company or building a media brand or anything, you know, the ideating phase happens throughout life. And so to be able to get into the routine of putting your ideas somewhere so that they're all in that place when you need to really get going, I think has been the most helpful for me. That's a really good one. And I feel like the creativity you just talked about, that's what I'm hearing. And the other thing would be sort of like the organizing around that, because, you know, often I know you and I have talked about this before and I would hold up my journal if I realized anyone could see us right now, but that was sort of the one thing we had just talked about. And I've been walking around with this journal now because sometimes, you know, if you are creative, the thing is we lose that. And it sounds like over time you've just like amassed this amazing, you know, resource because you've taken the time to channel that creativity and record that creativity, which is like another step that we don't often think of when we're being creative. Right. In fact, it's actually really hard to think in system when you're creative to allow to have a, so this is, I try to think about the system when I'm actually struggling with creativity so that when the creativity comes, I know, to, I know how to f channel the stuff because in the moment you're like, you're lucky if you write it down, you know, I mean, when you're really ideating, it's like, it could just as easily disappear into the ether. Completely. And, that ha I mean, I don't, everyone has their various moments when they're being creative, I'm sure. Mine often happen at, for whatever reason, at 3 a.m. <laughs> and if I don't have that book there and write it down, then it's gone. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, those are some really valuable skills for anyone that is considering making this transition. I would say I'm trying to think of what else might be helpful in terms of you know, especially people in this moment, it sounds like you may have already had these years of thinking and knowing that at some point entrepreneurship was, you know, your path, right? And there's probably a lot under the layers that we're exploring in this particular season. And I wonder if there's any out anything out of what you've learned that may be helpful to others that are thinking this way too, because this is, you know, sometimes all of that can be overwhelming. 
Yes. I would say the number one thing that helped me actually push through from wanting something like this to doing something like this was investing in myself. There was a brief part of my journey where I thought I was going to be doing one-on-one coaching as my main thing. And I went to Coactive Training Institute, uh, CTI. I did their their coaches training, thinking that that was the direction I was going to go. And the model they have is amazing. I really, really like it. And it, the way it actually impacted my life was different in that I instead internalized these new models for how to be and reinserted them into my projects and into my work. And so now I'm being more coach-like in my day-to-day instead of, you know, being bossy or uh, being cautious or something. You know, there's like a boldness to it and it's in service of others. There's a lot of, you know, we rise together. There's a real collaborative energy there. So that's the way I invested in myself. I'm not sure it matters which way you invest in yourself. I think, you know, I've been going to therapy almost every week for seven years. That had to help, gotta say. You know, I've been attending workshops, really intending to learn. There's the work that I was doing in audiovisual where I would just try to make a work day a learning opportunity. But then there's the, oh, I invested in a program where I'm I'm just getting to go in and do the whole thing. And you meet a bunch of new people. You suddenly have a larger network, those sorts of things. So anytime you can invest in yourself, you know, not every program is great, but, you know, doing some kind of thing where you're in a group setting, working some kind of material that has some substance to it with people for your own growth, that's the stuff. You know, and I think it sometimes feels like a sideways trip. It certainly feels like I did not go directly to here, but I came here with more tools than I would have had if I had come directly. It took a little longer than I thought, and I think that's pretty common, not to make anyone feel disheartened. But it's also, here's another thing I learned, which is sometimes your journey started before you became aware of it, and you're actually further along than you realize. I think that's such great advice. And the thing too about going and, you know, working on yourself sometimes too, when, you know, some people might realize they're unhappy, but they don't know what it is that sets them on fire. And I feel like just going and leveling up on something that maybe you just even love, you know, just, it doesn't have to be anything that's related to work, right? Maybe I know you and I have talked about this before. I was like, man, I really wish I took singing lessons, right? I mean, it's just something, but doing something like that, stepping outside of your comfort zone, I feel like can open up other things that you might not have even thought about and you can find it. No, I think I've had a lot of feedback from friends who have been like, oh, of course podcasting that makes sense you know it's just what the field hadn't really come together when i was doing a lot of my searching you know it hadn't quite become a thing in quite the same way and i heard and i can't remember who said this but something that really really inspired me was you're not following your passion because you don't know what you don't know if you knew what it was you'd be following it i think is what's true for most people or if they knew how to follow it they would you're actually following your curiosity to find your passion. So if you're curious about scuba diving, it has nothing to do with your career, but it like intrigues you and you research it for fun on the internet when you're alone, then you need to do that. You need to go find your way into it and see what it has to teach you. And maybe you become a scuba instructor 
or maybe you just become somebody who has a a passion that allows you to talk to people at a party really easily about scuba and everyone, you know, and it's like eases your social anxiety to have that nice thing to talk about. There's just so many ways we can use these hobbies or interests. If we're all, you know, lucky enough to live a really long life, what we will see is that a thing that expressed itself in our teenage years resurfaced in our 20s, in our 30s, in our 40s, until it was treated with the dignity it deserved and given a spot in our lives. And then sometimes it's the full thing, you know? And so I've always been into music and I didn't know how I was going to make it part of my career, but I knew that if I was able to write music for this podcast for the Bar Association, that my music then existed in the public space, it was out there to be heard in a way that when I make my own songs, no one cares about, right? There's a, an influence of corporate visibility or something, right? It's visible through this cultural thing. And so I just sort of follow that thread, you know, how do I get to make the things I care about more in alignment or in synergy? How do I get to bring this thing I like doing into this thing I don't like doing? So I think you've just given this amazing soundbite, which is, uh, I'm probably going to misquote you in some way, but it was follow your curiosity. It leads to passion. And that is amazing. And a lot of what else you talked about today was that there is no one way or one path. You've just, in your experience, you've just taken those little moments of curiosity and sort of built up that knowledge and used it in different ways. And when I say knowledge, what I'm really talking about is like this huge bundle of amazing skills that you've gained over just checking out different things. When you look back on that, I think you're right. You find connection points that you never even knew existed and other people around you probably may even know. <laughs> well, they've was... probably seen it. They probably noticed way before you did. Right. And they're often impossible to plan. Like you can't have known that this and this would have come together. You know, I mean, when I was seven and making audio cassette radio shows with my brother, there was no planning in that. We were following our natural curiosity, you know, and then you know, when I got into electronic music in college and I worked in the studio there, it's like, I'm just following my curiosity. And then, you know, each thing is that. And I mean, up until like two, three years ago, if you would talk to me, you could feel my angst. You could feel the angst that I had not found my direction yet, even though it's not that different it's like only been a the couple of years since it's changed and the backstory is what made me who I am. I just couldn't see it and I hadn't made the connections yet. And so I think feeling lost is, is a unfortunately natural part of the process. And I think that fighting through that lost feeling is, is hard, but we have to test, we have to go through to be in charge of our own lives a little bit. Yeah. I love that you just call that out because it is, it can be hard. And I know I'm someone that struggles with that. And I also want to point out that not everyone listening may be thinking of this from a personal standpoint, right? But if you're someone who employs people, definitely keep in and, you know, listen in because there are a lot of your employees that are thinking this way. 
And if you don't understand where their thoughts are and, and how, you know, they can channel that en- energy maybe in other ways within your organization, you know, that they're, they're going to move on. And this is going to make huge effects over the next few years on how, on how that will look. Yeah. No, I mean, I think what we're seeing is a lot of people who are not accepting the status quo when it comes to workplace practices, you know, and that's definitely something I fought against, but I was raised with parents, you know, and an ethos. I mean, my parents were hippies, so maybe I got a little bit more of a lenient thing, but you know, it was still like, you have to show up. It's their workplace and you're, you're kind of checking yourself at the door for a little while. And, and that's not how people want to work anymore. And it's not how I want to work, but I'm certainly capable of assimilating into any work situation because I always felt like that was necessary. Yeah. You know, this leads me to think of another question though, because now as a business owner, how are you thinking about the culture of growth network podcasts? Because we've obviously talked about this at length and I know, I mean, you guys, I've learned so much from Linz about this and like, bring it on because this is going to help so many, not only entrepreneurs, but large organizations that are trying to think of this. Yeah. I mean, we're really, really trying to put a lot of our energy into culture. And I would say in some ways we are choosing culture over growth. And that's a, that's a gamble. You know, I think we can always look back on this moment and see how well we did it. But I think what we've done is prioritize our human to human connection at the beginning of every call and checking in, trying to discuss things. We do not want anyone just sitting on a rock in their stomach. Like, I don't want that. I don't want it for the people I work with. And often you can have a two minute discussion and it's gone. So we're trying really hard to be emotionally intelligent with each other. We're an entirely virtual company. And so that presents some challenges, you know, Sari, our awesome producer is in New York and I'm in LA. And so our, we have to make some choices about how we're going to communicate and how we're going to get stuff done. I think it comes down to purpose and intention, you know, A lot of people don't really care about mission statements or vision statements. And I think they're very, very, very important. And going through the process of coming up with something you think is good enough and then realizing it isn't, and then having to fix it. And then having, this is, you're having a discussion with yourself about your values. And so I think the further you can get in the process of having that discussion with yourself before you begin to include other people, the more you're going to have prepared, the more it's going to make sense, the more it's going to be vetted and the more of it's out of your head onto a piece of paper. And that allows people to lock on to what you're doing. So we took a little detour as we were setting up the company to get really, really clear on our brand values and our whole deal because we aren't in the same room and we can't afford to be on different tracks. And so I would say that we'd really developed kind of a a cool, cohesive mind about it now, you know, and sometimes I'll come up with an idea I think is really great and I'll get shut down by them because it's not quite in line with our values. And as frustrated as I am in the moment, we dodged a bullet. So that's sort of some of my thoughts on that. I think I also, our business manager, Maura, I have to shout her out because 
She's extremely values driven and very, very thorough about finding business resources that match our values and finding ways to live our truth as a company. And I think I would have given up if it weren't for her. So yeah. it's been having everybody on the same page about that's really great. No, I totally agree. And Mora is awesome. <laughs> you know, the, the things I was thinking about as we are both of us small business owners, right? It's, I was thinking about how to apply this concept if you were trying to change the direction of a larger organization. You know, I, I think I've seen again and again that if it's not, if the top person is not 100% involved and 100% there, and maybe also the board, yeah, that if you don't have gung ho participation, it's just another corporate initiative. Yeah. I started to see that organizations that talk about coaching or use coaching or have coaches on their staff or of those sorts of things, there's a little bit of a signpost to me that that organization is something I'm probably, I might be in alignment with. Well, you know, you brought like the interesting thing though, too, for me is that when you, when you brought up Mora and her work as well, and just finding aligned resources, right? I mean, I find that not only are we thinking of this with ourselves and how we spend our days at work, right? But we're also thinking about it in our buying patterns. Yeah, I think there's definitely a move towards, you know, mission aligned everything. You know, I think people want to fully support things if they can. But I also, you know, it kind of points me to things like, is it Glassdoor? What, no, what's the site where you can write reviews of your company you worked for? Is that? It is Glassdoor. Glassdoor, yeah. you know, and so you think about sites like these that are kind of allowing people to vent and share their opinion and the visibility of companies that are rampantly overrunning their employees versus ones that are really trying to switch things. I could really see there being a, you know, a metric score that becomes popular or some kind of thing that becomes a way of signifying how far have they gone down this direction? Can we trust their behavior going forward? There has been some talk about metrics like these being required. So we will see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Linz, Thank you so much because, well, thank you, first of all, because I feel like I learn from you all the time and now we get to experience this moment where others get to learn from you, <laughs> which I love. But I also think that there's so much more. So, you know, I want everyone to know how to keep up with everything you're doing, the Stuff with Growth Network podcast. Where do you like to hang out on social? Absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. To me, it is the one environment where everyone who's on it has agreed that they are there to better themselves. And so it has a unique, I think, flavor. Sure, some of it can be spammy, but there's something unique about LinkedIn. I spend a lot of time on there. Uh, connect with me, follow me there. You know, Growth Network Podcasts is on all of the social things. Definitely connect with us on Twitter and LinkedIn and all these places. Uh, we're just dabbling now with TikTok. So feel free to come and be one of the first ones to follow us there. And if you're interested in me and my story, I'm at Linz Florin on Instagram, Linz Florin Music on Facebook, and also I've got a TikTok as well. But you know, if you come find me anywhere, I'm sure there'll be links to all the other things and uh, come say hi. Awesome. Thank you again, Linz. And thank you everyone for listening. 
You've been listening to Let's Talk About Skills, Baby, a Growth Network podcast production. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your community.